Sounds great. Okay. Sounds about like it's going to go. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to go for realism. Thank, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. All right. Welcome to Pulp Fliction. Uh, hold on. <laughs> That's a really good really, start. Thank you for listening. Yeah, 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 I'll start off with the with the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but professionals here. Yeah. Welcome to Pulp Fliction. This is the one where we count down our top five favorite horror movie performances. Of all time, Halloween is just around the corner, and we here at Pulp Fiction want to celebrate the holidays by talking some scary movies. We are Rachel Jameson, Jacob Crisp, and Brandon Rabar hosting the show as always. And uh, before we get to our list, Jacob and Rachel, any uh, disclaimers or anything like that you'd like to put on these lists? No, I just want to point out that this is the uh, the one genre that we've done the most lists on. I think that you feel <laughs> like it is because it's like agony and torture for no, you I'm every time. No, I'm pretty positive it is. You think so? <laughs> I think it's, yeah, that's right because it's like the one thing that I have the hardest time coming up with. Right. So it's always the same, same damn movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem is, you know, every Halloween you got to do a horror movie. I will say since our last scary movie, I've seen one horror movie, one classic <laughs> horror in there. Yeah, that's right. Hey, is there... two, but oh well the thing oh yeah. yeah oh yeah we should pick a movie to all watch this week is there any horror movie that none of us have seen the thing no we, well we've, we've both seen, seen it. but well, i would so i would seen everything i would i would re-watch it though the thing talked it. about it before yeah or it, as far as ones that we haven't seen even if it's like a classic classic that'd be good for us yeah i feel like the thing's classic and it I is. bought it at Hastings for ten dollars, and I've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> is Hastings still open? Well, it's closing down. That's why I got it for ten bucks. I need to go. I have a gift card. This is a thrilling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would have forgot later to ask him, so I need. I really needed that information. I almost Googled it a couple days ago, but if this Jacob's doesn't get right cut here. out, sorry, <laughs> this is terrible. Um, so we'll we'll figure out later on what what movie we'll review later, uh, horror movie wise. But we are going to count down our favorite performances. Uh, no Ra- stipulations for me. None for me either, Rachel. I just want to say that this list could probably be better if somebody would have watched the movie that they were supposed to watch, <laughs> and then we didn't have to decide on a list. I think the list a few is hours great. before the show. Yes, I know what you're talking about, Rachel. Yeah, it's amazing who actually watches what they're <laughs> asked to watch. You have one job. <laughs> yeah, one job. I, I got to married, watch guys. movies. No, I, you cannot uh, use that. I'm, I'm using it for forever. everything. I'm using it for everything. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's the new dog ate my homework. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. Jake, go ahead and drink your coffee, man. I'm sorry. Oh, it's good. I don't have my list up. Uh, Coming in at number five on Jacob's (laughs) list of favorite all-time horror movie performances is... Good stuff. Thank you. I'm going to go with Sigourney Weaver as Helen Ripley in Alien... I I figured... Yeah. I don't know, because she, she's just so surprising in Alien. Right. She kind of like a, like I've said before with that movie, you know, the story of you know eight people on a, on a spaceship who get a an alien on board, and you don't know who the main character is, and so it kind of you know dwindles down to one person in the end. 
I would think that if you go into that movie blind, she'd probably be the last person you'd think it would be. Right. And at so, the time, it wasn't like she was a big movie star or anything right. like that. So, so to see like kind of her transition to that movie from just one of the eight to kind of how she ends up there is a kind of good transition there. Spoiler but, alert. I know, right? <laughs> Come on. We alien. spoil it's, movies it's, it's here on Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do. Yes. <laughs> but like if it's Aliens... If you're talking about that movie, it's more of a dealing with her past. Uh, what do you call it when you are like you feel guilty that you're the only one that survives? Oh, um, that yeah, that syndrome. <laughs> that syndrome. Yeah, and uh, so and then to see her like have to go back into uh, wherever planet she went to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know all the scientific language for it, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, once again have to lead a group of marines or at least guide them or advise them what's the question is this going to be a stand-up fight sir or another bug hunt all we know is that there's still no contact with the colony and that a xenomorph may be involved excuse me sir uh, a what a xenomorph it's a bug hunt what exactly are we dealing with here ripley we sat down on lv-426 one of our crew members was brought back on board with something attached to his face, some kind of parasite. We tried to get it off. It wouldn't come off. Later, it seemed to come off by itself and die. Kane seemed fine. We were all having dinner, and um, it must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started... Um, he... Look, man, I only need to know one thing. Where they are. Joe Anytime, anywhere. Right, right. Somebody said alien. She thought they said illegal alien and signed up. Fuck you, man. Anytime, anywhere. Are you finished? I hope you're right. I really do. And, of course, Aliens is, you know, a great sci-fi. Lots of good shoot 'em up James Cameron did a great job. Uh, with all the action and direction in that movie, and then you just throw in someone like Sigourney Weaver, who's like one of the, you know, uh, the queen of sci-fi in a horror movie. So, right. I know. It's keep the eye on the ball since it's a horror list. Yeah. But Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, you know, it should qualify a little bit. Yeah, no, she that's does. a good choice. And that's a classic movie. And I knew, I'm actually I'd a little say, surprised. i say Alien is more of the horror movie of the two. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Good choice. I knew, I thought it would be on your list. I'm actually a little surprised it wasn't higher. So now I'm yeah. curious. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, your number five favorite horror movie performance. Dan Stevens and The Guest. The Guest. Which sounds ridiculous because it's a newer movie and we've talked about The Guest several times because it's fantastic. Sigourney Weaver, Dan Stevens. <laughs> hey, this was a really good role. And it was a role that he had to play very subtly. and the he had to still franchise. <laughs> And the guest. I you see, haven't even watched the guest. I see where my movie levels are with you, Rachel. Okay. I have no shame in Dan Stevens. Okay, sorry. And the guest. Um, the character that he portrayed actually had to do a lot of things. It was actually in an impressive role. And I fell in love with Dan Stevens. Didn't you fell in love with Dan Stevens? Don't Brandon. try to put your choice you on did. me. You yeah, did. he was awesome. Even your brothers yeah. did. <laughs> no, really, he is. Well, and they're way more what, heterosexual than you are. Yeah, that's true. No, he's great in it because he's he's funny and charming. 
he but he's mysterious the the i'd say for a good half of the movie you're really going back and forth on whether he's a good guy or a bad guy he's sort of emotionless yeah he's emotionless but he's faking emotion you can see that he's he's trying to show emotion and but fit he's in. also a soldier so it could be something just like ptsd right you don't really know what's going on he plays he he rides the fence really well as far as you not be able to figure out who he is what his motivations are Good or bad, and the whole he's charming, funny, but badass too. He has a lot of things in this role. Actually, I, I really, really like that performance. How come? How much. come on IMDb? I like more scoring. Like everyone's are. names are like all the characters' <laughs> names are normal, but his name is David in parentheses quotations. Uh, that would give away too much. Okay, so that's a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, they shouldn't have done that. No, they shouldn't have. Why would now they I'm do suspicious. that? That's yeah, now I'm suspicious. Yeah, we should watch it. Yeah, it's it actually really, got really good reviews. Really, it's got really like ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Got too many other things in my queue. It's, y'all. it's so <laughs> good, though. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you ran a pizza? Uh, no, no, she's she's working at the diner. I'm her her mother. What she did she do something? And it's fine, ma'am. But your daughter, she put in a call to Fort Kenilworth a couple of days ago asking about a man named David Collins. Yes, oh, that's right, she did. You wouldn't happen to have seen anyone resembling this man, would you? This is, um, David. Ma'am, when was the last time you saw him? Well, he, he just went inside. So Dan Stevens, he, he was says impressive. he's got too many things in his queue, but you know he's going to watch Maverick and Band of Brothers four times again before we have. I did our watch next Dances with Wolf this last week. <laughs> Just one singular wolf. <laughs> Dances yeah, Dance with, with Wolf. <laughs> and that's three hours long, and you've seen it ninety <laughs> times. Yeah, we, yeah, we talked guest. about it, so I wanted to see it again. Well, we talked about the guest. You should try watching that. It's really good. I will good. say, I, Missy and I almost watched Tombstone because she listened to our podcast. And it get, put her in the mood to watch Tombstone. And I was like, well, let's watch Tombstone. It's crazy. Talk about movies. Yeah. You want to watch movies. <laughs> uh, my number five favorite horror movie performance of all time. I like to bring up this movie whenever I can because I think it's so underrated. Uh, is Bill Paxton, from, speaking of Tombstone, from Frailty. Have either of you two yes. seen Frailty? You have seen. It's been Frailty. a while, but yeah. Have you seen Frailty, Rachel? I don't remember. I feel like I did, but I couldn't really tell. It's you also got Matthew McConaughey. It's weird, man. Not, it's not weird. It's just yeah. It's awkward. Frailty. Not awkward. It's just something about it is off. That's what makes it, it. To me, that's what makes it so good. It's really creepy and it's really tense. It's more. Th- it's definitely a horror movie, but it's kind of more suspense thriller. Uh, a man confesses to an FBI agent his family's story of how his religious fanatic father's visions, that's Bill Paxton, lead to a series of murders to destroy supposed demons. That's what makes it so good. It also has Powers Booth from Tombstone, Matthew McConaughey. Um, Hi, Wyatt. How the hell are you? <laughs> what makes it so good, though, and what makes Bill Paxton so good is he truly believes that God is speaking to him, that he got a vision from God and that he is doing the Lord's work by going out and killing quote-unquote demons. So he keeps seeing things, and he thinks there's signs, and he thinks these signs. And so he, he gets this list to go kill these quote-unquote demons. Spoiler alert, the demons are people. So he thinks that God is telling him to go kill these these demons. But, but what makes his performance so good 
to me is how genuinely he portrays it. He portrays it as a man who truly believes. He doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. And as a result, he has his two sons help him with this because he thinks he's doing God's work. He actually calls it God's hand is what he calls it. And so he teaches his sons to also try to kill, and then they don't go along with it. So he gets stern and and kind of, I don't want to say abusive because I don't want to give too many things away, but... He straddles the fence of loving, doting father and really abusive father because he thinks that's what God wants from him. I think it's a great performance. Frailty. Go see it. Even though now you know what happened, basically. Uh, I left a lot. There's still plenty that happens that I didn't reveal. Jacob, your number four favorite horror movie performance of all time. Uh, I texted you. The quote to y'all earlier, it's the Haley Joel Osment, I see dead people. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's. Uh, in all seriousness, no, like, you know, for, because I was just, I was joking, like, well, just basically list any child actor, any horror movie ever, because yeah. usually they're the ones that make the movie. Think about Danny and the Shining. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Carol Ann and the Poltergeist. Yes. Uh, um, the Chucky. Omen movies, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> you should say Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> He's a good little actor, that Chucky. <laughs> It's little people. <laughs> a leprechaun. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if I just want to keep insulting little people. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, uh, directed by... M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. You just said that, didn't you? Sorry. No, I didn't. You didn't? Just, well, just well, you now. you did just say that. <laughs> I mean, but... This podcast, guys. <laughs> not going good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how far back you meant. Did I say long. it? I, I, I just said it. I don't know if I just said it. Um, I know. I think we're all a fan here of uh, of uh, the, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, it's a great movie, and mm. and and his performance, Haley Joel Osment's. It's really it's considered one of the best, if not the best, child performance of all it time. It is for definitely good his best performance of all time. Hey, he's given some yes. really good performances. In what? <laughs> Go secondhand lions? No a- AI? Not cute. really. AI? He was he was okay in AI. Pay it forward. Okay, okay, we're done. Okay. Yeah. So it was definitely Haley Joel Osment's best performance. <laughs> and as far as child actors go, I would put a couple in front of that Henry Elliott. But wait, yeah. Henry Thomas playing Elliot. <laughs> Henry Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Sorry. Oh my God. Do some major Oh man. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> that boy good. <laughs> wow, butchering this. All right. So that's my pick. <laughs> I don't even know what to talk about. <laughs> Good pick. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) How do we get our composure? (laughs) All right. 
that's a good choice, Jacob. Uh, Haley Joe Osment. That is a he was he was great in that. Well, it's a shame to not like bring up Tony Collette real quick. Obviously, Bruce Willis. I, I think his relationship with Tony Collette was really good because she's an excellent actress. I mean, Bruce Willis is good in the movie, but like his chilling performance, if you want to call that, right. his subtlety, how much he's scared throughout the movie. Uh, you really kind of see it conveyed through a child, and he yeah. just pulls it off completely, which is why he was nominated to begin with. So, Heather yeah. Jalosman, I think he did a you know, great performance. I want to tell you my secret now. Okay. I see. dreams while you're awake dead people like in graves and coffins walking around like regular people they don't see each other they only see what they want to see see them all the time they're everywhere and he could have easily won the Oscar too he was nominated but he he had an argument for winning it as well Rachel your number four favorite horror movie performance Robert England as Freddy Krueger Wow, all I'm the surprised. Nightmare. I'm actually surprised it's not higher. I, I expected it to... And I okay, think it's like, a great choice. I think that's a legitimate choice. I think... Here's the deal with picking Freddy Krueger. You don't really think of it as a serious performance because the movies got so cheesy and some of them were just bad. Yeah. Um. So you don't think of like, oh, he's a he's a good actor. But if you watch... There was actually someone else that they had... It Was it the second one that they got a different Freddy? Yeah. He didn't stay in yeah, the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, but they, yeah. they casted somebody other than Robert England, yes. and they did. There is um, like footage that exists of him being Freddie. And it's, it's terrible. Not right. It's not right. Yeah, it's, terrible. it's an actual character that Robert England created, and he's like a classically chained actor. He's really f- interesting to listen to. Yeah, but, it's funny because his personal taste, he loves. I mean, he'll talk about Brando and Laurence Olivier and like all these great, like as influences. And and how he tries to you know emulate them. I'm like, dude, you're Freddie. Come on, but but he is really good in it, uh, and he's completely but, sincere about it. It's like listening to your uncle talk or something. Yeah. But um, Freddy Krueger is an iconic character, and Robert England created that, and nobody else can be Freddy Krueger. Well, and and he was so good in the first one because he was actually yeah, scary he was legitimately and menacing. Scary. But you know, he also transformed as the character transformed to more of a wisecracking, almost charming, child yeah. molesting serial killer that haunts you in your dreams. As charming as one could be. The fact that you compare the guy yeah. that played Freddy Krueger to an uncle is a bit disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, man. That's <laughs> yeah, true, though. Uh, that's a good choice. I actually have him in my honorable mentions. Wow, he's uh, not even on your list. I struggle with not putting him on because is this because of the the um, antagonist conversation we had beforehand? Like we had our antagonist list. Like clearly, Freddie's pretty high up in y'all's. Yeah, but the fact that we're comparing 
Is it the character itself or the act, the performance? No, I'm, go, I'm trying to go that, by performance. I'm trying to go performance, and, and Robert England was really great as Freddy Krueger, but I feel like the performances themselves I chose were better performances. Got it. That's what I'm going with. And with that in mind, my number four is also from an iconic series. Um, my number four favorite horror performance is Donald Pleasance from the oh, Halloween series. I see how it is. What? What's up? You give it to Michael, but not Freddy. What? No, wait. He he what? doesn't play. He doesn't play Michael. No, he's the he's a psychologist, isn't he? Yes. Oh, come on, Rachel. How many times have you seen it? He plays Doctor Sam enough. Loomis. I've only seen it once, like five years ago. Yeah, he, I only know that because I looked at Liz earlier tonight. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the he plays he plays Loomis, Doctor okay. Loomis. He's the one that has been you know studying Michael Myers as an expert on Michael Myers since Michael Myers was a small child. No, Michael Myers choosing the guy that plays Michael Myers. I don't even know his name. He's in a mask. I think he probably changes movie to movie. All he does, has to do is walk slow and tilt his head and uh, yeah, pull exactly. out a knife every once in a while. No, but Loomis is great because he is so good because. He genuinely portrays fear and and intelligence and strength. And Donald Pleasance is an accomplished actor anyways. He's he's a legitimate actor and he was cast in this indie horror movie uh director nobody knew of. So to land Donald Pleasance was kind of a big deal to them and he really sank his teeth into a role. He could have, you know, just kind of Looked over it because he was a, a real actor. Wait and, a minute. He's a serious his... actor who was in a movie called Double Target in 1987 where his character's name was Senator Blaster. Okay, well. And also he before... was in, uh, he was a specter in uh, all the old uh, 007 movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. <laughs> serious actor. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's because he's got a British accent. As, as he got older. Yeah, he's, anybody with a British accent seems serious. No, you know, as you get older, it's hard to, you know, you gotta pat, you got to pay the bills, bro. You gotta take if if it's Doctor Blaster, you're gonna take Mister Blaster, <laughs> Senator Blaster. Uh, Senator, <laughs> respect. <laughs> yeah. Show the man some respect. Yeah, respect the filmography. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I like the intelligence and it, just watch his monologue about Michael Myers' history and him. Uh, being evil incarnate, and I think it's one of the best little pieces of acting as far as you know iconic horror series goes. And Jacobs drops the sound clip in now. Nice. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. Thank you, Jacob. Now I have to find it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did a specific scene, so you kind of have to. Okay, cool. Jacob. <laughs> wasn't, I wasn't really listening to anything you just said. <laughs> Your number three favorite horror movie performance. I don't really know what to do because I kind of realized I skipped over one I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to boot 
Jack Nicholson out of my list. Whoa. I know, right? Ouch. Don't worry. I think he'll still make an appearance. That's the reason why. And I'm going to put in uh, Ted Levine as James Gum, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, in The Silence of the Lambs. Dude, I am glad you're choosing this because obviously for good reason, Anthony Hopkins gets all the acclaim, but he is awesome. I'm sorry. I'm still in your thunder. Can you tell me why you chose him? I mean, because... When it comes to that movie, and we've had multiple conversations on this, I've had several conversations with some of my other friends. Which of those two characters is scarier? I think it's Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill is is scary. It's hard to, to, I think it's hard to balance or compare the two when you have someone in depth like Hannibal Lecter, who he has to play both manipulative, uh, you know, intelligent, uh, and uh, at the same time, psychotic. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Then you have someone like Buffalo Bill, who's just disturbed, you know, in the beginning, but it's just how Ted Levine executed it. I, I don't know how he he acts like he's already off to begin with. Like he might, like he's already, like he seems like o- a- outside of being a killer. I mean, like when he just talks, it's his, it's in his voice. It's his the depth of Ted Levine's voice anyway, combined yeah. with what sounds like a, a 12, 15, 12 year old child in a way. Yeah, like it's just not all there, you know. Yes, and so you think about him in the doorstep talking to. Um, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. When she when she knocks on the door there towards the end. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh wait, wait. Yeah. Wouldn't she that big old fat person?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just it just sounds off. And, yeah. You know, I, and I see Ted Levine in other, other movies like Heat. Uh, often he actually plays like kind of police type roles, and he's he's good in it. And he is. He seems like a good uh, you know uh, figure, outstanding community, whatever. But then you put him back in Buffalo Bill, and it's frightening. I mean, he's, he's screaming at the girl down the well. Oh, it's gosh. frightening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff about him in particular in Silence of the Lambs that's yeah. just disturbing. Yeah. And he just executes it masterfully. Yeah. Which and is he insp- crazy because it always goes under the radar because of Hannibal Lecter. Right. Yeah. But, uh, Anthony Hopkins was fantastic, obviously, bottom line. But Ted Levine... I do think you're right. I think he's underrated for that role. It rubs the lotion on. It does this whenever it's told. <laughs> Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. <laughs> okay. 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 Mister, if you let me go, I won't. I won't press charges, I promise. See, my mom is a real important woman. I, I guess you already know that. Now he places the lotion in the basket. Please. Please. Oh, my God, please. Please. He places the lotion in the basket. I want to see my mom. Please, no. I want to see you, buddy. I want to see you, buddy. I
really, you could have made an argument that he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. That's how good I think he oh, was. Absolutely. Uh, and he was even more terrifying than than Hannibal Lecter, and it puts lotion on the skin. <laughs> and he did the dick tuck. I mean, he made the dick tuck famous. <laughs> we were already all doing it, but he made it famous. Am I right? Yeah. He did not make it cool, though. No. <laughs> Still working on that. <laughs> Rachel, your number three favorite horror movie performance. Kurt Russell in The Thing, which uh, Jacob hasn't watched. You should see that movie. You should. You should. Yeah. <laughs> For $10 from Hastings. I know. We are supposed to review that like a month or two ago. And then someone got married. We'll get so the top. Whatever. Um, I lost my train of thought. Kurt oh, Russell. The Thing. The Thing is a really good movie. It is. I actually, I watched The Thing when I was younger and did not really like it. But as I've gotten older and watched it probably two or three times in the last five years. Yeah. Um, I, I like it more and more every single time. And if you have a chance agree to see that. it on the big screen, then you should do that. But that has nothing to do with Kurt Russell. Did you not like Kurt, it as a kid because of the gore? <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't think I think that I got kinda, it. I think uh, That's what I was going to say. I liked it way more as an adult than as a kid because I think as a kid, it's it's kind of slow a, a bit because most of the, the scariness comes from tension, tension and claustrophobia yeah. and, and suspense. And when you're a kid, you're just ready for things to jump out and yeah. stuff like that. Yep. So you appreciate it more definitely as an adult. Kurt okay. Russell, though. Kurt Russell, though. So good in this. And he does his Kurt Russell thing that he's really good at doing of being a badass and being um, a smart mouth and being the really likable, relatable guy that you want to hang out with. Um, he's still that guy in this movie, but I'd never get tired of seeing Kurt Russell be that guy. This one was even with more edge, though, because he was that guy. But I think in this, he's a little less uh, funny. He is still those things that you said. But I think of the thing, he he has more of an edge to him. It, and he... He seems mysterious. Yeah, because you don't know if you can fully even trust... Because a part of it is you, you don't know... You can't trust anybody in that. Right, movie, that's right? the thing. Exactly. That's kind of the point. But he's your protagonist, you think, and you believe and you want to believe... Uh, right, but you're, he plays it just well enough to where you follow him, and you're, he's your hero, and you believe him. But maybe, maybe not. He's really good in I it. I agree though. with that. That's he is choice. really good in it. I don't want to talk about the thing a whole lot because Jacob needs to watch it. That's a good choice. Well, though. I've looked enough clips on it now that I have, have an idea on some stuff. True. Yeah, but whatever. My number three favorite movie uh, horror movie performance is. <laughs> I think the most underrated horror movie performance, my favorite Dracula performance of all the ones ever put on big screen. A lot of people would say Gary Oldman, and I I get that. A lot of people say Bella Lugosi. I get that. But for me, I go with Chris Sarandon from Fright Night. <laughs> I know it sounds you. funny. I know. You really you have an I, affinity for Fright Night, though. I do. I do. And I get that it's not a – now, I will say good. Fright Night, it got great reviews. But it's kind of been forgotten a bit, except for by the 80s kids generation. It who does grew up hold up it. pretty good, though. It does. It holds up really well. And um, it's, it's, it's horror comedy, so it's not probably taken as seriously as a performance. But Chris Randon, some backstory, he is an Oscar-nominated actor. 
he's he is. Is he one of those outstanding like resume? Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon. He was Best Supporting Actor oh, nominee. He was a voice in the Nightmare Before Christmas. He was. He played Jack Skellington. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And he also Princess Bride. He played uh, Prince Humperdinck. No, that is a quite the resume. I'm <laughs> just saying it <laughs> is but, quite the resume. <laughs> oh, Child's Play is the fourth one listed yeah, here. Yeah, dude, that's a lot of good movies. Uh, people forget about Chris Randon. He's actually Susan Randon's older brother. Anyways, all that said, to me, Dracula should be frightening, scary, piss your pants, but also really charming, really smooth, really funny, really witty, uh, good with the ladies. And Chris Randon is all those things in spades. He is both the funniest and the scariest character in the movie. That is true. Welcome to Fright Night. For real. Back, spawn of Satan. <laughs> oh, really? When I read the description of Fright Night, it says that it's vampires. It is. It is. Well, you said Dracula. Oh, I should have said vampire performance. I've been saying Dracula this whole time. He's not Dracula. He's not Dracula. He's just a vampire. I just want to throw a wrench in. Yeah, no, you. you're right. I should have said vampire. <laughs> that was a good so, call, though. Yeah, <laughs> good Get call. it right, Brandon. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you corrected Number me. Number one podcast in the land. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what, though? I've been listening to a lot of movie podcasts lately. And I actually feel a lot better about our podcast after listening to other podcasts because they screw up a lot too. Oh. Like like professional good ones. Like they'll be like, so no no no. They'll like forget the facts and stuff. They're like yeah, that movie where I'm like, dude, you're talking about you know fill in the blank Breakfast Club. Oh. And like they're sitting there struggling to think of it. I'm like, come on, bros, it's Breakfast Club. And then one of the hosts be like, I think it's Breakfast Club. I messed up something from last week. I'll just bullshit something out there, and then later on I'll be like, wow, you totally totally screwed that up. Um, Jacob, your number two favorite horror movie performance. Don't screw it up. <laughs> well, I just talked about it's Anthony Hopkins as oh. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, and I, yeah he was way better than Ted really, Levine. I know. I, <laughs> honestly, I, I kind of want to only He only has like four movies to pick from. Well, he I, had to double up on one. I know, right? But, but you, I, I really think that My number one favorite performance is... Jody Foster for Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> actually, that'd be a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. would be, actually. But I really wanted to talk about both of them because because Lecter always gets talked about first, mm-hmm. and not you know, and not uh, Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Um, so, so even I though you'd really rank him higher, him. I, I mean, when I watch that movie, because I've watched you know, Silence of the Lambs multiple times. I mean, the, the scarier character is Buffalo Bill. Yeah. I mean, by far. But like the more intense. I mean, I think depth is Anthony Hopkins. Uh, so I, I almost kind of wish I would have flip flopped them. So really, I can kind of mesh both of these two together. Um, but how can you deny what Anthony Hopkins did in that role? I mean, I think Hannibal Lecter is one of the most iconic, definitely in the last fifty or forty years. You know, yeah, yeah. easily, yeah. Um, so 
it's just, a, I mean, a good character and great, great movie, great horror. Yeah. So, and a great performance. I mean, he, Anthony Hopkins has also an accomplished actor in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> uh, but of all his great performances, I still think that's his best one. And it's that a says TV a lot. show called Westworld, by yeah. the way. Dude, we need to talk about some Westworld Maybe later on. So good, man. Later on in the episode. Uh, great choice. I knew it would come up. I actually left it off just because I knew that you would bring it up, but I had a hard time leaving him off. So he's an honorable mention for me. Good, that works. Rachel, your number two favorite horror movie performance. Anthony Perkins. I will jump in with you because my number two Whoa. is Anthony Perkins. And for the first time, I can actually put him in my list. Nice. Oh, yeah. He's not on my number two, but he's but my honorable mention. But you've seen it now. Oh, he's your honorable yeah, mention. I figured it'd be okay. cheap if I threw him in there because I just watched the movie like Right. Like, like, you don't know Anthony Perkins <laughs> like we know Anthony Perkins, Jacob. <laughs> I haven't lived Anthony yeah. Perkins. <laughs> I've just experienced it so far. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll let you lead since you're no, you're, bro. You go. Let me talk about Norman Bates. Yeah. Not that one comedy. He was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Anthony Perkins in psycho. He was the first. Let's, let's talk about that first. I mean, he was the you pioneering. First? Yeah. Okay. He was the pioneering, uh, horror movie performance. And like so many of the pioneers, he was better than, than almost anybody that came after him. What's so great about him is, you know, while you're watching him at first, if you haven't seen Psycho, and especially when the movie came out, you know, Psycho is now such, it's it's a part of pop culture. Everybody knows the story. But if you don't know or didn't know back then that that he is playing his mom, you are thinking that he's a guy that is just really attached to he's his mom and his mom's so the crazy sweet one. and docile and naive almost. That, I mean, he couldn't hurt a fl- Like, he just, he plays that so well, that mm-hmm. innocence so well. He does. He play, that's you, you nailed it. And that's what makes it so effective later on when the, when the switch is flipped and you see that he's actually the psycho. Uh, and he plays that really well. But he's, he is, he's sweet. You don't think he would hurt a fly, but he's really, really crazy. Yeah, he is really, really crazy. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Some would call him a psycho. Boyish. But she's harmless. She's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds. I am sorry. I, I only felt it seems she's hurting you. I meant well. People always mean well. They cluck their thick tongues and shake their heads and suggest oh so very delicately. Of course, I've suggested it myself. But I hate to even think about it. She needs me. It's not as if she were a a maniac, a raving thing. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Haven't you? And and, and what we know now, uh, what we know now 
about killers, it makes sense. You know, we always hear, oh, it's the quiet ones. But those ones. are the it's creepiest the, that's ones. That's what I was going to say. Like, back then, I think that that wasn't a part of what everybody knew, that it's, oh, it's the quiet ones, it's the sweet ones, it's the ones you wouldn't suspect. So at the time, it was probably even more shocking, yeah. I would say, because now we, we feel that that's in us to suspect the the sweet, docile, boyish ones. And maybe that's because Anthony Parkins. Is that is that he art, change the is world? That art imitating life or life imitating art? It all comes back to Anthony Perkins. <laughs> that was a good thought right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add, Jacob? No, I'll just say, since I just watched Psycho for the first time, if you've never really watched it, if you're a younger audience, I'll say it's, I think it holds up very well. It's a, it's a, it's really good. I, I really enjoyed, um, oh, the actress and, and the Janet Lee. Janet Lee. I yeah. thought she was great in it. Yeah. Um, I, I was just really so look, and I've seen a lot of clips from that movie over the years, but seeing it all together, one, you know, one through, uh, <clears throat> in one full watch, I'll say it that way. Yeah. That uh, it I just, I just thought it was great. I really yeah. enjoyed it, and yeah, Anthony Perkins is what makes the movie. Yeah. And I can see, you know, I I had to kind of put myself in 1968, and I, you know, if you do a little bit of research on Psycho, the history behind it, the 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 period, uh, the period of time as far as history in Hollywood. You know, that's just something you just don't do mm-hmm. is to make a movie like that. Go black and white when yeah. you know, color is the big thing. Yeah. And of course, it was like real low budget. Mm-hmm. They were kind of winging it on a lot of stuff. There are a lot of, uh, I think, things that kind of went wrong yeah, as far as is. that went. And uh, maybe even just the studios going against um, oh, the director. Al- Alfred <laughs> uh, Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you. Um, just one of the most famous directors of all time. <laughs> Maybe you've heard guy. of him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I just think it's a, it was a really good movie. So any younger generation listening who hadn't seen it, check it out. Yes. Or older. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to don't want to uh, not include the older. Yeah. Older folk. It's it's a must see. It's a must see. Jacob, you said Anthony Hopkins and Sigourney Weaver. I am genuinely befuddled of what his Wait number one could be. What's your, what's your number two? It was Anthony Perkins, Psycho. That's why I jumped in. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear you yeah. say that. Is this going to yeah. be like Jaws is your number one? Oh, it's probably Robert <laughs> Shaw from Jaws. You're right. That's got to be what it is. 300 men went in the water. Yep, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yes, good call, Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the best monologues in movie history is the scene on the boat when they're hunting, when they're hunting down the shark. Mm-hmm. And you have... Um, Richard Dreyfus. Not Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> well, Robert Shaw is the one that says Robert, it. Yeah, oh, I, I thought oh. you were setting the scene. My bad. <laughs> no. Okay. Yes. Then you. Yes. You do have yeah. Richard Dreyfuss and Roy yeah. Schneider in there with. It's like liar. He is down there <laughs> with, Robert, with Robert Shaw. Which you know, from what I know of the history of that movie, Robert Shaw was drunk at the time. They had a film. They had a film that scene in particular twice because the first time they did it, he just totally you know, messed it all up. Really he was drunk. Came back in sober the next day. They nailed it. Actually, it took. Uh, actually, that scene in particular, it's from both the drunk clip. It's edited from the drunk night and the sober night. Really, so there's some cuts that he's off and whatever. That's actually really cool. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white, and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in, and they rip you to pieces. 
You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, the average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura. So as he swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway. He saw us and he come in low. And three hours later, a big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Yeah, so the whole scene in particular, it's kind of interesting because, you know, they've... All throughout the three of them on that boat... Hunting down the shark, their emotions are all over the place. Yeah. They're getting along. They're chewing each other out. Mostly, they're getting their ass chewed out by Robert yeah. Shaw. Right. Uh, so when they're on the boat and they kind of have a singing moment where, you know, uh, show me the way to go home. Yeah. You know, that actually happens right after the monologue. But, you know, they're comparing scars and that leads up to, oh, what's this scar? Well, it's right. the one from being on the, the Indianapolis. 500. I think it was. Not the Indianapolis 500. Cause that's right. 500. That, you just went the, with that? No, uh, the, <laughs> not, not the 500. <laughs> but it's the Indianapolis. Yeah. And so it leads into one of the, one of the, like I said, greatest monologues in movie history, in my opinion. And uh, the way just Robert Shaw executes it, it's just so, it seems just so real. I mean, that's just, that's pure acting. I mean, you, you can't teach stuff like that. That's just, just natural charisma, even if it's just a, a pretty terrifying story. Yeah. And, and it's, that is, it's a that is long one. My number one uh, fear of mine is to be in the middle of an ocean, ocean, you know, not be able to see my feet. I would, y'all be, I would be freaking the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I can only imagine. I was just impressed with how he memorized that entire thing. That is a long monologue. Like it is impressively long. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good choice. Ah, I should have thought of that. Good call, Rachel. Thanks, man. Mm. Either we have the same number one or you're lying. Can I try? Yeah. Well, Jack Nicholson, The Shining, maybe for the same for you. Mine is Jack Nicholson, The Shining. Yeah. Is that yours? You're number one or you're lying. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... it's, Do I know you guys are what? Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Impressive. I mean, it had to be. uh, Yeah. How do you not pick Jack Torrance? Jacob. Because Robert Shaw, man. (laughs) (laughs) He helped kill the shark. Uh, for me, Jack died. We we all we, <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> we all know, uh, but did he die? But did he? But what if he didn't? But what if was he there didn't? a sequel? No, just There's remember three the picture. sequels. To my but movie. remember the Wait, picture at the very end. Really make up my fight he's then. in the picture. He's in the picture at the end from <laughs> before. So I think he's just an entity, or is he? Nobody knows. Well, y'all know The Shining way better than I do. Uh, yeah, I've I've here. 
a lot has been said about Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Jack Nicholson, obviously, I think the most nominated male actor of all time. I think twelve, nominations, twelve nominations. Yeah, three wins. Yeah. So, and he wasn't nominated for The Shining, and I think you could make a good argument that it is his, his best, best performance, performance, or at least his most iconic performance. I would say iconic. Um. The, so actually, just so anyone knows, Robert De Niro won for Raging Bull that year. Yeah. Certainly where they're winning. Well, yeah, absolutely. But not even sure. getting a nomination for Jack yeah, Nicholson. Didn't even, yeah, for uh, – so here's what I'll say about it, though. He – Jack Nicholson was born to play crazy, and this is the craziest character he could play. Yep. Like, of all characters and all actors, if you just mix up all the characters in any movie and all the actors that have ever acted, and you said, okay, this is the perfect actor – for this perfect role, I think that you don't... I don't know if you'd ever find a better match than Crazy Jack Nicholson playing Crazy Jack Torrance. Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in the stars. <laughs> man, I was really proud of that, too. No, it was good. It was good. It was good. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it was funny. Uh, that was a long explanation, yeah. though. <laughs> Actually, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, you know, agree with you more because... Like whenever I remember as a kid, mom talking about Jack Nicholson. I don't even know what movie it was. And he was like, "Ah, oh, he's just weird. He's always in weird movies." Uh, <laughs> and maybe she's right because he he just there's something about him as uh, a human being, a character. It's in his his facial expression, certainly yeah. in his voice, where he's overly cocky, yeah. overly arrogant, not afraid to scream or yell or cause a scene think about like you know, one flew the cuckoo's nest yeah. something like that yeah uh think about a few good men on the on the trial stand yeah um it's not exactly a weird movie but um he just he's just born to play those roles yeah uh easy rider same thing yeah. you know when he gets high yeah i actually kind of think he's limited as an actor he's a great actor Wow. But I think his range. No way, dude. No way. Chinatown. Yes way. No. No, I loved him in Chinatown. I think he's a great actor, but I do about think Schmidt. He's... <laughs> I mean, Not about Schmidt, example, he was good. Yeah. Hey, what about your favorite movie? Uh, uh, I'm getting blown up over here. Turn my <laughs> thing off. Uh, as good as it gets, man. <laughs> oh, screw that movie. That movie pisses me off. Rachel, what did you like about Jack Nicholson in the show? <laughs> Remember when we were talking about Jack Torrance and not Jack Nicholson? Um, I mean, he nailed it. The star lining thing, bro. That was... He's just perfect for it. He's that was the deep. Is, is, it was deep, <laughs> Thank man. You. Thank you. I'm a little blown away. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Jack Nicholson is Jack Torrance outside of the killing part. I mean, <laughs> in a way... But, so you're saying he plays himself. I'm saying he plays himself a lot. I think that... That he plays crazy really well, and like you said, the arrogant, cocky. I think he play. I mean, all actors have their wheelhouse. Seriously, like that's I mean, almost every actor except for the true chameleons, right? Which I, I there's think th only very few of those I think who are the mainstream Agreed. actors, like Daniel right. Day Lewis, right? But but I do. But I guess what I'm saying is because like twelve nominations. Like if you really pick through those nominations, should he be the most nominated actor of all time? I don't know about that. That's all I'm saying. I, I love Jack, that. but I think because he he's probably the most. Um, the biggest combination of quality actor, respected actor, thespian, and then movie star, like the two worlds united for him. Can't argue and, that at all. And so I think because of that, he probably got some nominations he probably didn't deserve. Is all I'm saying. So, someone sounds bitter. 
<laughs> Who do you think it should be? Yeah, Al Pacino? Exactly. Yeah. That's who yeah. you think? Oh. Yeah. yeah, I do. That's I what do. that's coming I from. Yeah, I kind of recall <laughs> conversations like this now. Oh, he's angry, guys. But I do, but I, do, but I still, but I, but I stand eyes. by He's like really pissed I would off. even say De Niro should be more. De Niro's had seven nominations. Pacino's uh-huh. had eight. And Nicholson oh, has had Pacino's only had eight. Oh. <laughs> 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 I, I think that the, uh, Nicholson should not have more than Pacino and De Niro. Or Brando. Or Newman. Or... <laughs> hey, I'll go with you on Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah, no, really, though. <laughs> I love Paul uh, Newman. Da- Dustin Hoffman. I think he has six. He shouldn't have more than Dustin Hoffman. So... That is Jack Nicholson, The Shining. <laughs> it was my number one pick, and I got so bored that I was looking at stuff on my phone. She's on Pinterest over yeah. here. <laughs> I can't believe that we talked about him and didn't bring up the Wendy Darling, Darling light, light of, of my, my life. life. You didn't let me finish. That's the same clip that I play every time. But it's the best one. Talk about it. Yeah. If anyone's listening to our one. podcast, yeah. every time we bring up The Shining, that's the same clip. <laughs> Wendy. Darling, <laughs> light of my life. I mean, I haven't memorized. Yeah. Watch the fucking thing so long. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so any honorable I like, mentions? I like, I like a lot of other things in that movie, scenes in that movie from him, like the bar the bar scene. Oh, uh, the bar scene. So many of them. You know, chopping down the door. I mean, the, the classic line. What would that line be without? I mean, Jack, how could you ever hear anyone else saying, here's Johnny? Yeah. Outside Which was like, already an iconic. On? I mean, it was he used it because it was an iconic line from you know Johnny Carson. Yep. But then it became more synonymous with Jack Nicholson. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, I do think the bar scene actually might be the best piece of acting that he does in the entire movie. Actually, hi Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, Mister Torrance. What would it be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd. Because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? <laughs> no, sir. Not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, Lloyd, it seems I'm temporarily late. <laughs> How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always liked you. You were always the best of them. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. So, some honorable mentions. Jacob, what's your, some of the ones that we didn't mention you'd like to bring up? I want to bring up Joe Beth Williams. Heather O'Rourke and Zelda Rubenstein in Poltergeist. I think all four, three of these women, because there's only three I mentioned, uh, are all great. Uh, so Joe jo Beth Williams is Diane Freeling, the mother. Uh, Heather O'Rourke is Carol Ann Freeling, the daughter. Yeah, and, I loved her. And, uh, of course, Zelda Rubenstein is Tangina 
the uh, kind of the woman who knows how to talk to ghosts. Yeah. She's that older, short, little stumpy lady who's like, you're right. You go. (laughs) Go to the line. It's great. I mean, she's perfectly cast for that. She is. But I mean, I really enjoy Joe Beth Williams in this. I think she's great. And, you know, you know, when you have to go up against people like, Oh, what's her name? Um, in Halloween. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. You know, you have that to kind of hold a candle to. I think she's right. pretty good. Yeah. No, that's a good choice. Uh, Christian Bell and and uh, as Patrick Bateman, American Psycho. Yeah, he was um, close. He was close to be my number five. The only reason, like, I, I can't say like I, you know, I love American Psycho. I've seen it two times. I saw it once ten years ago, and I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. And that's so it's, not it's, possible. It's just you been a while. It ten years ten ago, years ago and you for saw it for the time. first time. <laughs> First time since then, okay. two weeks ago. <laughs> Whatever. But it's just like, you know, just the yuppie, the whole, uh, you know, how he gets before he kills somebody, uh, how he's just such a snob. Like, there's so many off things. And I yeah, love the – I recognize all the dark humor and, yeah. of course, like the mystery behind if it's even real or not, right? Yes. Uh, so that stuff's all pretty cool. And, you know, Christian Bell, who I am very – mixed on how i feel about him i'm the same actor. way i'm the same way sometimes i think he's great the boxer and then there's other times where he drives me insane yeah uh and then lastly i had anthony perkins the psycho nice not good, a very good big choices. list yeah <laughs> well you've only seen seven so and large marge and peewee's play <laughs> large marge because <laughs> when am i ever gonna get to talk about yeah, large marge that's awesome <laughs> rachel your honorable mentions you guys actually covered large marge mine. large marge <laughs> can't believe you got that one off my list. <laughs> uh, well, then, I would like to bring up, you guys did cover a lot of them, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Haley Joe Osment, Robert England, and Kurt Russell and Christian Bell. So, all those very close to making my list. Ones you didn't mention, Nicole Kidman from The Others. I just don't remember her role in that movie. I mean, she, I it was, it was basically twist. like a drama. She, It was basically like watching a good drama performance. Okay. Um, I saw it kept coming up, and I'm just like, I just don't remember her. Yeah, specifically, she was she was she was, she was good I just remember it. the storyline because that was the big deal about that movie. Worried, scared mom. Yeah, British, That's stupid. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robin Williams from One Hour Photo, super creepy. That's a good call. Thank you. Gary Oldman as Dracula. Tim Curry as the freaky ass clown from It. Yes. Nice. Uh, Michael Rooker, who most people know as. Um, Merle from Walking Dead. He was in a movie called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I like that guy. Yeah, he is really good. Sissy Spacek and Carrie. That's the one I was glad I was going to bring up if you didn't. Yeah. I never saw it, but I understand that she was great in that. Oh, she was. She was. Um, Kathy Bates in Misery. Of course, she won an Oscar for it. Um, And then uh, one that I wanted to bring up was Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Uh the the 80s version of fly was so good it's pretty awesome it is and it's it's disgusting it's like so the gross. gore in it is so nasty like like think of the scene where he's the arm wrestling scene where he breaks the dude's arm in half when he's arm wrestling him oh but he he plays freaked out scared intelligent doctor really well and then i'd like to give a, a lifetime achievement award to boris karloff Bella Lugosi and Vincent Price. We actually talked about them before the show. We need to at least bring them up because they were, as much as Anthony Perkins was a pioneer, <laughs> those three guys were like the pioneer pioneers. Like there's old school and there's like old school. And those were these guys. 
Yeah, so sad we can't talk about Nosferatu and I've Frank. seen Nosferatu. I've seen it. Well, yeah. I mean, but can you talk to about it at length? Yeah, uh, I mean, and and especially performance wise, I mean, they they were basically playing caricatures at that point, so it's kind of hard to. It's like respect, but. I was actually really sad I can't talk about Peter Boyle on this list. Oh, yeah, because it was we, a comedy we performance. Saw, uh, Young Frankenstein, yeah. and I laughed my ass off. Yeah. At really everything, but Peter Boyle, guy, made me laugh. So good, right? Yes. Have you watched the full thing yet? Nah, you can't find it to stream anywhere. It's not, you can't Suck. even buy it. Are you iTunes. serious? No. Yes, yes, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm going to go to Hastings. I'll see if they have it there. Hey. For real. Cool. Um, so. Now it's the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching lately. Just any shows that that or or movies that we've seen lately that we want to talk about since the last time we came together to discuss. Oh, Rachel, we've got a lot to discuss. We do, we do. There's been and a lot. basically we're doing this because there wasn't a good enough movie to review this week, and so we're just gonna just talk. Now. Just, we'll just throw some stuff out there. Why not see what sticks? Rachel, we'll let you go first. Well, Jay, we were going to talk about mascots. Hey, I've seen that movie. Yeah, somebody. You know hasn't I seen d- that movie? Brandon hasn't seen that movie. It's weird. So, Mascots is a Netflix-produced movie. It's a Christopher Guest movie about a mascot competition. I'm so Like, that's, that's uh, all I need, that's all really, I need to know is Christopher Guest movie and mascot competition, and I'm in. I mean, I wasn't because I didn't watch it, but I am in. I do eventually <laughs> you want to watch it. But you didn't. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Guest, for those that don't know, this is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind. Uh, you know, all your movie elitist friends who think he's hilarious and those movies are hilarious and you've never seen them, those movies. Yep. And it's very much just because it's a I didn't know what to expect because it's a Netflix movie. And while obviously they make quality TV programming, I haven't seen. I mean, all their movies have been like Pee Wee's, whatever his new and the infectious six or right. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, six. Ridiculous so six. I didn't know how to feel about this. <laughs> that would not be a good movie. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, neither was the ridiculous six. <laughs> um, but this is a through and through legitimate, pure Christopher guest movie. It's got all of his regular ensemble. Yeah. Elements. I was going to see all them. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara in it. Oh, yeah. it, oh, damn you, it. She's the only one. And Eugene Levy. Eugene oh, Levy's yeah. not in. No. I was, he that, was the next one I was going to say. That's a good call. He was the next one well, I was going to say. Watch that. How about Parker Posey? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she is. Nice. Yeah, she's pretty funny in it. Yeah, I I legitimately liked most of the characters. I actually weirdly I, I pulled a Jacob and I watched it almost twice. <laughs> I watched it a few nights ago for the first time, and then today I watched it as for I was getting time. ready. No, I, I watched it as I was getting ready. <laughs> I only watch things for the first time once. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I laugh. I still laughed quite a bit and I caught a lot more things this time. There's a lot of stuff going on in it. There's some good lines in it, but like it, it gets to be a a little bit too ridiculous. Like after a while, you just kind of ask yourself like, what else is Christopher? You're watching a movie about a mascot competition. But what I'm saying is like, what else can Christopher guess come up with? That's ridiculous and make a mockumentary about. You know, we had Spinal Tap where it's about a band. We have Best in Show where it's about people who are obsessed with their dogs. My Mighty Wind where it's their, their music competitions. And now we have people dressing up as mascots. And but, there's, look, I, la- I laughed in a couple of places pretty good. Like, there's some funny humor in there. And I don't think it's as dry as Best in Show was. I thought Best wasn't. in Show was so dry. Yeah. Best it took me show a couple is, times to watch before I could kind of really get into actually, it. Actually, Best in yep. Show is my least favorite because it's too dry for yep. me. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So, I mean, I definitely had some good laughs in this. And it was good to see a lot of the old, you know, 
um, Fred um, Willard. Fred Willard. He was hilarious in it. He's always funny. Um, <laughs> the one scene you see Christopher Guest, he cracked me up. Um, and As then, Quirky St. Clair. Yeah. And then actually. Hey, that's who he plays in Waiting for God. Yeah. He's yeah. playing the same role? Yeah. Oh, really? oh that's awesome. Oh, see, I, I didn't know, know that. Oh, see, I just assumed that you knew that. Oh, oh man. That. No Did you wonder why it. I would remember his name? No, because no, he's not on it that long. Now I want to watch huh. it even more. Dang. Uh, but like, I thought one character that I that I laughed quite a bit at was Zach Woods, who we mostly know him from The Office. He's in um, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Thank you. He's just kind of a tall, skinny guy. He's young, but he's perfect for. He's that awkward guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That exactly. super white awkward guy. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought he cracked me up in this movie quite a bit. He and his wife also. The one who was with Aaron for a little while in the office. Yeah. So yeah. there's like a lot of characters that you like in this movie. Um, it's just like I said. After a while, it's just kind of like okay. I don't know. I just feel like I'd seen it before. It did not get that way to me. I thought their mascots were hilarious. When you got to the competition, I laughed a lot. When it's it's a mockumentary, obviously, so there's a there's a large buildup. These people are all talking about their characters, but you don't actually get to see them fully be their characters until you get to the competition. I thought the plumber thing was hilarious. It's so stupid and juvenile. I know it is, but I thought it was really funny. But here's the thing, though: when you think about best in show, like there's people out there who are probably kind of like that. I mean, there's not really mascot competitions, right? I don't, they have a, like they that. have an annual conference of all the NBA mascots. I know that it's not a competition. Is it like but that though? I have no idea. If it's like that, then I'll shut up. I, I would guess <laughs> like, not. When you have best in show, or it's, you know, this is Spinal Tap. I don't know what Waiting for Guffman's about. You know, it just seems to me like okay, I can kind of see some of this ridiculous. I don't know. I really or enjoyed these, the ridiculousness. These people playing caricatures of what could be real people. You know, the mascot thing is just like eh, I don't know. Well. But I still laughed. It's YouTube, still funny. YouTube being so torn makes sense because critically it's really torn. It's 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it looks like it's right down the middle. I don't say I didn't critics. like it. I still, I still laughed. Would but, you give it a fresh? Uh, it's 50. Yes. Yeah, that that's that's rotten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I laugh, I have to give it you know a little bit of a good. So probably yeah. a 60. I'd give it a solid yeah. 8. I really liked it. I, I'm gonna watch it, especially now that you're I know the that Quirky's in it. Yeah, especially you're gonna now. be wrong, Jacob. Chris <laughs> funny in it too. Oh uh, yeah, I like him. All right, fist. So what's next? Uh, let's talk about Deepwater Horizon. It right. kind of tore up the box office there for the last couple of weeks. Um, the true story. Ooh, I thought it bombed. No, I mean uh, it was number one. I know that. Maybe it didn't make as much as they thought or hoped it was going to make. But uh, opening weekend was twenty million. Budget was one hundred ten million. Ooh, so yeah. So it didn't do as well <laughs> as it wants. I just thought it was number one. I didn't. I didn't actually look at the. Uh, so far, it's grossed fifty million in the U.S. and it's been out for what one or two or three weeks now. Yeah. So no, it's it's losing money then. Look, I mean, I thought Deepwater Horizon was a. Um, it's a an action. I mean, it's a good action movie. Of a hist- something that happened in history, so we have to be kind of careful about how we praise it because you know eleven people died, right? Right. Uh, but at the same time, like I, it was sus- suspenseful. It was definitely suspenseful. And as a guy who works in the oil and gas industry, uh, you know, it's interesting to me to see that. I guess the atmosphere. I understood a lot of the dialogue. I thought that really played up the corporate bad, the, the corporate bad guy. They did for sure, which was frustrating at first. But really, once the action kind of kicked in, it was like wow, like it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, honestly. There are things in the, the special effects. I have zero clue how they pulled that off. Yeah, like, there's the special effects were some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, and I mean, in this day and age. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
And I wonder if it's not, you know, I know number one, but if it's if it's disappointing at the box office, I do wonder if the subject matter just isn't hitting home with people, like not as interesting, or they don't know how to market because it, it is kind of an action movie, but it's an action movie based on a tragedy, but it's not a tragedy that people really emotionally connect to because it's if you kind did a movie like that about I'm sorry about the two tires, you know. Right, but the, mean, but that people emotionally connected to that. I don't know if people are as emotionally well. Like well, for they're instance, more emotionally connected to the envir- environmental part of it, understandably so. Right, but not. I, I don't know if people even realize that you know, thirteen people was it thirteen 11. people, eleven people that that died. I don't even know if people because when it was being talked about in the news stories, all I remember is them talking about you know all the oil that was being dumped and all that stuff. I didn't even remember that people died. I just knew the yeah. whole oil part of it. And so I don't know if people are as connected to it. But that all said, I do think that I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. I thought it was just going to be kind of a ho-hum. I did too, to be honest with yeah, you. I was, was very, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was too. That's exactly how I'd put it. Uh, I, I Peter Berg is the director of it. He directed Lone Survivor, uh, which I thought was a pretty good action movie about another real event that right. you know that happened. And Peter Berg said that he wanted to more so celebrate the 11 lives that were lost which I think instead he did of focusing a, on the environmental tragedy. That and I think he did a good was. job with that. And that's I, why I, I think it that. was a better movie than I thought it would be. Um, I just hear a lot of critics uh, have that they have a hard time how to – I think I think you just said it. Basically how to praise the movie because they don't want to celebrate that they were, they were suspenseful for them, that they were kind of enjoying an action, what seemed like an action movie. Right. You know, because it's based on real events. Right. Anyway. Yeah. But I will say this. You see it on the big screen. Uh, it – Oh shoot! I jumped. I'd say the scene where that guy's knee got caught. Oh yeah, that was that brought me right back to 127 hours, man. Yeah, Woo. yeah, that, that was intense. That was intense. Yeah, it's it's worth seeing. Yeah, and and I didn't know if it would be, but it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, Kurt Russell's and uh, and Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg yeah, is very good. In it. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, see it. Uh, so what else should we talk about? Uh, what else have you guys been been watching? Do we want to discuss Westworld yet, or do we want to end with Westworld? Yeah, we'll, we'll end there. Let's okay. talk about. Um, <laughs> the hunt for wilder people oh yeah that, we, never, we, we discussed never really this. did a real re- review about we didn't this. do a real review of it brandon and i discussed it a little bit you i think you talked about a little bit about it but i don't know if you talked about it with me off air or you don't know. i don't remember because you didn't want to spoil it for me or anything like that look i'll just say that i didn't think i liked it as much as y'all did because you y'all are speaking really highly of it like yeah. it's really high up in your list yeah uh, i'll say uh it's it is the first movie that I've seen directed by, what's your buddy's name? Say his name, Rachel. Taika I just can't get this stuff up quick enough sometimes. It's Taika yeah, Waititi. Taika And so I certainly, I immediately recognize the style. Mm-hmm. And I can see how y'all would think I would really enjoy a movie like this because of the quick edits, the, the music yeah. that goes with it, yeah. um, the cinematography in it. Honestly, yeah. that's the stuff that I praise about it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome how there's, and when I think, when I say quick edits, a good example is when, uh, the little boy and Sam Neill were going to go run up the hill and then like it quick edits and they're like, no. Yeah. That's right up my alley. And, yeah. And uh, so I, I really enjoyed all the technical aspects of it. Technically, um, th- there's a little bit of Wes Anderson in him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. you know, Submarine. Uh, I can't think of the director of that movie. It came out in 2009. Oh, yeah. Noy Baumbach. I was a huge, huge yeah. fan of that movie. That was, I yeah. think, my number, number one that year. Yeah. It was either that or Drive. And, uh, you know, same style, same right. um, humor, you know, great music, like all that stuff is, uh, you know, 
So I really enjoyed that others. I'm not saying I didn't like this movie at all. I don't, I'm not going to put it way up as high as y'all did, but but it definitely was worth watching, renting. If you want to see something different, it's definitely different. with all the other junk that's come out this year, this one's definitely different, yeah. and it's, it's a fun watch. Samuel's great, and it's this little boy. Uh, he's a lot of fun. He's yeah. funny. Yeah, his he name is, is uh, Julian is good Dennison. with kid actors. Yeah. He's and, really good with kid actors. Oh, and uh, oh, the actress' name is Rima Tewiati. She plays Bella, I believe, the, yeah. the foster mother. Right. Oh, she was great in it. She was she awesome. She was awesome. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that, the scene where she kills the boar, laugh my ass. Oh, yeah. yeah that was amazing. That was, that was good. Yeah. It, but the little boy, like his facial reactions to <laughs> everything that's going on, it's pretty good. Pretty yeah. classic. It is. So yeah. it's good casting. Cool. Well, I'm glad you, for the most part, liked it. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Central Intelligence. Loved it, right? I thought it was... I was really disappointed, actually. Oh, I love I Central Intelligence. I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna love it. I thought it was hilarious. I, I just heard nothing but glowing things about it, and then I saw it, and I was just like, "Eh, really? Yeah." You didn't I think just, The Rock was hilarious well, in no, it? The Rock's the only, well, talking about the, the Rock was funny. And about Kevin how he's really obsessed the, with corn. For the second time, uh, Kevin Hart did not annoy me. That's um, good. It's more so just the story itself was just dumb. Yeah, it but it's so a comedy. Dumb. I'm tired of dumb comedies like Mike and Dan. This, and we'll talk about this one next. Mike and Dan oh, that need moves. wedding dates. Yeah, that that sucks. Dumb. Just, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm just sick of that stuff. Like, okay, obviously, essential intelligence is a lot better than Mike and Dave yeah. wedding dates, but um, it just it just didn't work for me. I just I just need more common sense when it comes to Mike. I mean, comedies. I get I, I for the most part agree with that because I get really irritated with comedies that just are stupid for stupid sake. So I totally agree with you on that. I just didn't feel like Central Intelligence was one of those. Plus, I thought that Central Intelligence had a real charm and likability, and and actually a good message that it earned. Yeah, like the non-bullying the campaign. The, the yeah, campaign, and and I think thing. that it like really did earn what it was going for instead of you know being cheesy. I I I thought it had a good heart and a couple of really likable leads and yeah, I, I and some really it's funny simple parts. Simple in nature, and it's going to be forgettable in the end, which stinks because I like The Rock and Hey Kevin Hart two times in a row has made me laugh so. Um, Rach, did you see it? Nope. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't see either one of them. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Mike and Dave need wedding dates, have either of y'all seen it? Oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw Rach. it. Mike and Dave. Yeah. No, no and I was. I haven't, seen either, money I haven't seen either one of them. I, I, this is, I think, my most disappointing of the, uh, the movie of the year so far. Really? I thought the way it was marketed, the way it was cast, it yeah, was it looked funny. Going to be honestly like a. A second coming of maybe Wedding Crashers or something in a way. And all it was were four talented people acting like idiots. Yeah, because all four of them are, you know, I like all four of the actors. I like the, the casting a lot. Yeah. But but the movie itself sucked. I mean, it really was stupid. Well, they were just... They were just... They're just acting dumb. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, they were acting dumb. They were dumb characters. Everything that they did, it was just... I mean, there's no other word for it. It was just dumb. It's not funny. Yeah. When you... And this isn't like the whole screaming to be funny, except for... Uh, Adam Adam Devine, yeah, you know, yeah. He, that guy Devine. just needs to be cast as a supporting character. I'm sorry, he too, can be funny. Too though. much of him is, too, I mean, it just doesn't work. It's Adam Devine like, is the same guy, yeah, all every the time. Yes. Yeah, I haven't his, seen it, and I know what yeah. character he's playing. Yeah. Well, it's like so, Amy, um, Fat Amy, Fat, you know? yeah, it's, it's yeah. Casting that, that. As, a, as a main character just doesn't work. Yeah, but I think Zac Efron has so much potential. I think he's going to take off when they get this guy in the right roles. But I mean. It doesn't work here at all. No. It's just frustrating. And Anna Kendrick playing dumb 
It does no. not work. She's way too. She's so talented. Yeah, she is. And, and like, I, and she, I, I don't know if she's got range, but she's just such a smarter actress. She is. Than that. And I do think she has range. And uh, you know, Aubrey Plaza. When you talk about her as well, um, I, was she playing she Aubrey Plaza? Of, she was kind of, actually no. She, she was, was playing, playing completely ghetto. against. Yeah, okay. She's playing completely against. Time. Yeah, I, I guess certainly that didn't say work I've never out. seen it like this, but she was ghetto. In yeah, this. she was. She uh, was. But it was that didn't bother me. It's just more so that. There's just the things that they did. It was just I just cannot think of any other word. Well, the entire time I watched it, like this is so stupid. Well, it's because they weren't playing real people. So disappointing. Not all four of them. Well, what movie do you watch where they all play real people outside of you know bio? Biodome. Biographies. Biopics. Oh, bi- <laughs> biographies. Biographies. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like. None of the decisions or dialogue or motivations or anything that happened in this movie were anything that any normal sane person would do. It didn't make any sense. Just frustrating because I actually was – I had high hopes for that movie. Uh, one more for me. I watched The Legend of Tarzan. Sorry. Did you? No. I, I thought you did. I thought you said that you couldn't stop looking at Alexander Skarsgård's – that may just be in everyday life. <laughs> that dude is ripped. He yeah, is yeah, ripped. He is it might have been me because I saw it. You just <laughs> said, uh, it might have been me that said that. <laughs> but, but I can stop with Margot Robbie. Can you though. talk about it a little bit? Oh, yeah. I can talk yeah, about I w- it. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Cause uh, you know, I thought that uh, – I know that you texted me and said it was the most boring Tarzan ever, which I completely get it was. But – I, I'll say this. I didn't think it was a great movie by any means, but I thought it was a interesting different twist that they put on Tarzan that they took you him can say out it of, that way, yeah. That they took him <laughs> that they took him out of the wild, that he was like, you know, a, a normal citizen now and now they're bringing him back to Did the wild. Did it not feel like a sequel to a movie that never happened? Yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There's absolutely no plot in this movie. Yeah, they just basically like Tarzan go back to the to the wild. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of may have mentioned it when you saw it at the time that it's just a guy who is invincible when it comes to swinging on vines. Getting yeah, hit by animals. and it really doesn't make any sense because he's still a human. Like, I get that he's a badass. Honestly, I can get past that part. That stuff didn't even bother me because throughout the movie, and I watched this with two other people, and all of us were like, "Do you all even know what's happening right now?" Like, yeah. it just was so confusing. It was all over the map because. It was trying to play into this, okay, Tarzan, he's now like in his 40s. Right. And we're going to go back to Africa because he's been living in, in, in Britain. and But in there, we're going to have flashbacks to his childhood, how yeah. he became who he was because we don't have a first movie to go right. back to. Yeah. And it just, it just was so weird. And then you have the whole uh, Christoph Waltz character. Yeah. I, honestly, his motivations were so weak or, or cliche. Yeah, they were. It. Like it's every movie cliche you can think of, every plot hole, uh, or just no plot. I don't know. Definitely the cliche thing was just dumb. It was so simple. I I hated it. I thought it was awful. Awful. I mean, I I didn't like it by any means, but I I thought it was entertaining enough. I I think that they were just they were banking on the fact that everybody knows Tarzan's backstory, so we don't really have to fill you in. Which which is dumb. I agree because there was it did feel like a sequel to a movie that never happened. Uh, but I think they're like, here, we'll kind of fill in the blanks for those that don't know Tarzan's backstory. And we'll just kind of jump in with what's going on with him right now, which didn't really make any sense. It, it wasn't a very good movie, but I wasn't bored by it. I, I was just, fun. it was kind of a brainless well, action pick. I'll quote you. 
no one cares about Tarzan anymore. This generation yeah. doesn't care about yeah. Tarzan. No, that's true. The only reason I watched it, because honestly, Robbie. I didn't really want to. Margot Robbie. Was Margot Robbie. Yes. No, that's not why I watched oh, it. I heard that was it, uh, out of the 40 or 50 movies that came out over the summer, it was the number 10 selling movie. Uh, it grossed uh, worldwide. All right. And I'm just like, really? I uh, got to blame overseas for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it wasn't because of the United States. Yeah. China cares uh, about Tarzan. Man. Uh, but just so bad the only other thing i'd like to talk about just really quickly is a movie called queen of katwa katway katway okay i've seen this at the th- uh, it's there at the theater but i have no clue what this i only want to talk about because we've kind of shit on some movies for a little bit so i'll talk about a good one this is a legitimately good movie it's pg it's a disney movie so it's it's a little it's a little syrupy it's slightly slightly emotionally manipulative but it's forgiven because it's a really really good movie it's based on a true story of a ugandan girl who sees her world rapidly change after being introduced to the game of chess basically um uh lupita is in it and david Oyla, uh, you know the guy that played martin luther King. Oye, Oyelo. thank Oyelo. you is that yeah i don't I, remember I, I, how to say it yeah uh anyways those two people are in it and uh, they're great. They're both great. You know, they're already great actors, and they're given some really good material. He plays the uh, guy. He's a really noble character who teaches oh, these yo, poor. Oh, oh yeah, lo, yo, yeah. No, oh yeah, Yolo. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're making it better. <laughs> um, but he plays uh, a noble person who teaches these poor kids chess, and it's kind of an escape for them. And then this one girl is kind of a prodigy, and based on a true story again. Um, and then Lupita is her mom, but she kind of wants, wants her working instead of focusing on chess. And so there's kind of this struggle anyways, really cool, inspiring type movie based on a true story. And it's one of those at the end, it shows like the real life people, um, and what's going on with them and, and seeing how it actually played out. It's actually really, um, really real to life. Like they didn't really dramatize it or Hollywoodize it very much. So I appreciated that. So it's worth a watch. Well, speaking of movies that kind of uh, play at your emotions, I forgot about The Birth of a Nation. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. yet? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. I don't want to use the podcast as a political forum. I'm not not going to. So I'll just say it was technically well done. Um, I'm finding out that there's a lot of um, inaccuracies inaccuracies in the movie or in the story, uh, which is fine. I, I Honestly, I question the responsibility of this movie right? Uh, in the times that we're in, but I certainly understand other things about it, you know, frustrations and things like that. Um, I'm not in denial of, of things that happen, you know, in our, our, our country's history. Um, the acting was okay. Uh, I thought Nate Parker was actually really good in it. He has a great scene where he kind of breaks down with his wife. Uh, he, was, he was pretty good in it. Uh, Army Hammer and Penelope Ann Miller were awful. Like the the acting was just choppy in some places, and it, and those two were two of the reasons for it. Um, it just kind of gets to the point where you have, you know, this genre where you know I thought Twelve Years a Slave that was my number one movie that year, and I love it. Uh, I think it's a great movie, uh, very well done, deserves every award that it got. Right. Um, but there were some, you know, and I think Django Unchained, great movie. I think it was also my number one movie that year. Um, Sometimes when you start to get into things that I've seen over and over again, uh, it's not that I'm in denial about it. It's just that I've seen, uh, you know, some of this, um, oh, 
torture porn is the word I'm hearing for it. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, and it's it's hard to watch, you know, and I understand there's some really bad things that happened back then. It sucks. Are you aware of the first one? The first You're right. like, I, Birth I, of a I Nation? Know of, I know of it, but I know nothing about it. Oh. I know it, it, it was... Go ahead. No, no, you. It's known for the same thing. It's very brutal and very... Yeah. Well, it, it was basically KKK propaganda yeah. is what it was. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, that's how the first birth of the nation was. Really? Yep. That's and that was the one that kind of introduced blackface and yep. and all that stuff. Yep. Hmm. Well, the, other than that, the 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 style of this movie is very strange. Like sometimes it go. I mean, there's a lot of things in it that remind me of Braveheart. Very very bizarre. And actually, there's a scene towards the end that reminds me of Gangs of New York. It just completely just caught me off guard. Um, so other than that, you know, it was. I thought it was just okay and. And I see it's getting a lot of mixed reviews, and I, I don't care if it doesn't follow the storyline very well because Braveheart doesn't follow the storyline very well, and I love Braveheart. Um, it's just more so what intentions were behind the film, and in times like this, it's just very frustrating. Right. So you know, and that's all I'm going to say on it. Gotcha. All right. Well, I will see it eventually, uh, and then probably also not comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to yeah. not hear your comments about this movie. Uh, so. We're waiting for the end here to talk about the show that everybody's talking about right now, what HBO is hoping becomes their next Game of Thrones. Uh, Rachel, we'll let you take lead on this since you're the the TV show gal. And uh, give us your impressions, your initial overall thoughts on Westworld. Okay, I thought you were going to just skip over saying what we were talking about. It's Westworld, Westworld, people. So, yeah, HBO is investing a ton of money in this. And... It, you can tell from the opening credits. I was like, holy crap. This is, they are banking a lot of money on yeah. this working. And it's a pretty incredible show. Apparently, it does not follow the movie pretty much at all. Other yeah, than concept. Just a, right, yeah. Um, For those who don't know, there's a 1970 movie starring Yul Brynner about this TV show. Right. I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah, and my family watched the movie, but apparently it doesn't follow it. But basically, it is a... It's a futuristic world. However, in this futuristic world, um, if you have enough money, you can go to Westworld, which is a, it's, I guess it's an actual place, but it's, they've built these robots, but with super high artificial intelligence that has passed the Turing test years and years ago and have been advanced way past that. Um, And so basically uh, if you pay to go here, you can live out different types of fantasies that you want. There's basically no consequence because these are a few visitors and a bunch of robots and these things are not real and you can do whatever you want to them, which apparently is some really sick and twisted stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's an it's a really interesting concept, uh, obviously, because they're spending the money on it and it's HBO. The quality is super high. Yeah. Uh, there's some huge actors in it, which I'm sure we'll go over, but the acting is really good in it. Um it's so intriguing. I I already like several of the characters. They've done really good at establishing their characters only three episodes in. Uh, and I am legitimately invested in them, whether some of them are robots or real people. I'm invested in both of them. And I'm really intrigued by all the different directions they can go with this. I mean, this could go on for... I know that they already have it lined out for like five or seven years or oh, something like that. that. They've already they've already done the outline oh, for wow. a run. Um but just, I have no idea where they're going to go next because they can literally really do anything that they want and they can kill anyone that they want. Yeah. I mean, it's, the stakes are pretty high have. in this and it keeps, yeah. And it, um, or have they? Right. It keeps you guessing. 
So I really like it. And I think that it will, this is not typically, I don't like sci-fi. I don't like fantasy stuff. I really don't like Westerns for the most part. And I think the show is great. Well, this sounds right up your alley. I know. That's a <laughs> testament to how good it is three episodes in that I think it's fantastic. And it's a bunch of things thrown together that I wouldn't normally like, but they really focus on the characters in it. Well, what's funny is it doesn't really seem like there's, I mean, it is it doesn't, sci-fi, but, that's but it doesn't exactly, seem like yeah. sci-fi. It's Western, but it doesn't really feel like a Western uh it's just a bizarre odd fascinating premise and it's very deep as far as uh what it says about our human nature and yeah. things like that um there's a lot of different levels to this that i find yeah. really interesting and it's a drama too it is a drama I mean, as well well one one thing to note about this is that michael Crichton who unfortunately no longer is with us because I think he's one of the best sci-fi writers ever was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he wrote this. He actually directed the 1973 movie. Um, and then now Christopher Nolan, or Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, is one of the co-writers for the show. And, you know, he does a lot of co-writing for the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy and things like that with Christopher Nolan. Right. So, you know, it's got a lot of good writing that goes along with it, which I think what's help, what helps with the mysteriousness of this show, with the world building that this show has created and i won't i'm not sure if i necessarily agree that the characters are already well-rounded because they, i think that because there's only we're only three episodes in it is all over the map and and i certainly get the premise i get what's going on but i am confused half the time too like because we've had three episodes of the second episode we introduced you know kind of this good guy who comes in the scene but we don't get back to him at hardly at all in the third episode uh, actually, at the end of the second se- second episode, too, we have Tanny Newton kind of realizing some things. Don't even touch it on the third episode. Well, like, I know this is all going to come together. Right. This might be a little bit like The Wire for me and takes like seven or eight episodes to really and get it to the might. meat. They're working with so many different characters. I wouldn't say it, that they're well-rounded, but they're. I'm intrigued. I'm interested in these characters and I'm invested in them already. I want to see what happens to them. Right. And a note to that is I also said, okay, so when you talk about Game of Thrones, you the first season you've got basically two, maybe three families and they're in like one or two settings. You know, we're kind of just kind of introduced into that that world. Here in Westworld, we have 50 characters to automatically keep up with. And so it is, honestly, it's information overload for me at the moment because I'm still trying to learn names and figure out what the heck's going on. I like the mystery of it, but it's it's a totally different level than Game of Thrones is in that, well, introduction to character-wise. You think so? See, oh, I've, I've, I've felt like I'm pretty pretty on point with all the characters and I who they are yeah. and, and and I think it's because what? with and I think with Westworld what it's done so far you're right they, they, they kind of I think the reason why I've got a pretty good grasp on it is because we're spending a lot of time with them when we do spend time with them like Tandy Newton for instance she's kind of been in and out of the picture like Harley saw her at all first episode. Second episode, you spent a ton of time with her, so I kind of felt like we got to know her and what was going on with her. Third episode, she's pretty much ignored. I'm assuming fourth episode, we'll see a lot of her. Like, And I feel like that's how James Marsden was. First episode, yeah. saw him a lot. Disappeared second episode. Third episode, we saw him a lot. So I feel like when we do spend time with them, we're spending a lot of time with them to get to know them, and then they just kind of go away. Instead of like a lot of the, the series where there's 50 characters – and we'll spend, let's say, two minutes with each character each episode. Which so is how get, Game of Thrones has gotten. Right, right, yeah. I think we're spending 30 minutes with 
a character every other episode. You know what I mean? So like for, that's kind of how I've Well, I know I've felt Rachel it. just mentioned that like HBO spent a lot of money on this show. And so one thing that's going to make that work as opposed to Game of Thrones is is that you can tell it's all built on one lot, right? We have just the same city every time. Oh, yeah. So we'll always have the same characters in that one little area yeah. in, in theory. Right. You know, yeah, you might have the house up on the hill or whatever church thing is going right. on over here, a little Mexican town over here on the side. But for the most part, yeah. it's always going to be centralized in that western town or in like the the new age the, yeah, futuristic the, the technology complex, center whatever yeah. it is yeah um, but two two things I want to kind of uh, say is that one thing I think is so fascinating cool about it is the idea of if you remember the books when we were kids the pick your pick your own adventure choose your own, choose, choose, choose your own adventure uh, did either of y'all say that did I miss that? No. Okay, yeah. But that's good comparison. I think that is such a cool idea. Oh, yeah. Idea I love it. Yes, and, I love it. That's one of the first things I thought of yep. was, was I that thought idea. That too. I was like, wow, okay, yeah, cool. I thought that's, that too. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because um, every day it's going to be a new a new story, a new, you know, you have the basic setups and characters, Yeah. but with all these new guests mm-hmm. every day, it's going to go a different way each well, day. Well, and you realize that in the second episode where you have the two guys and you have someone come and talk to him and he's like, don't don't talk to him. And he's just going to propose something to you. Right. You know, and, and we kind of catch glimpses of that in the first episode where they say, hey, you want to you go hunt down this villain with us or yeah. you know, whatever the ver- Western verbiage is for it. And, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I'll go on that adventure, you know, and then, uh, you know, you become a bounty hunter of some sort. Like, it's, it's just a very fascinating idea. Yeah. Um, but the repeat part is just... You know, I'm not sure what timeline. The timeline's all over the place, uh, and that's well, just a bit frustrating. It's hard to tell the timeline when you're repeating so many things. Right. I get that. Yeah, but I, I, found I think it's barman. It, I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, it's Wreck-a-frack much. Fracking, fracking. <laughs> to me, it's way easier to follow than especially Game of Thrones was. And really, more than the Wire was. Game of Thrones is really difficult for me to follow at the beginning because they were talking about so many things that happened in the past. With yeah, people know, and I'm actually with Rachel on this. Names. I've actually followed Westworld pretty easily compared to the introduction of Game of Thrones I feel like and I'm, Wire. I feel like I can't argue that. I feel like I understand what I'm supposed to understand about Maybe Westworld I forget at about this that. point. Yeah, yeah, but because you've watched it and you know it all so much now i think in the beginning though i was, was really confused was by game of thrones and the wire really in the beginning if, if they hadn't pushed him out of the window i don't know that me and brana would have stopped, kept watching yeah because we didn't know what was we going were on so that first confused episode. at the beginning of game, game of thrones yeah. but we were pretty iffy on it until they pushed brana out of the window yeah, and they were like all right we'll watch yeah. it again yeah well incest and then pushing a kid out a window all right, all right. let's see what happens episode two uh <laughs> Uh, but I, I think with Westworld, I, I think that you're purposely confused. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, there's definitely things I don't get. But but I will say this: even I had some questions. Uh, I was like, well, so what happens at night? So you know, are people there? You know, the guests do they spend the night in this place? And what happens? Um, what were some other questions I had? But they're already starting to answer. Some of those questions That's it that too. I had. I've yet to see outside of the train going there. I've yet to see any kind of transition from home base, te- you know, technology home base right. to yes. Westworld. Yes. You know, like them going over there. So are they staying in Westworld? That's what or I'm are they saying. Staying back yeah. in a hotel room at home base. And that's what I'm getting. Like, so I get that the guest and I had this question. I was like, okay, I get that the host can't shoot the guests or kill them. <laughs> Uh, but how do the guests know which ones are host and guests, and can they kill each other? <laughs> and I, I was like, are they going to explain all these things? And I think they're already starting to explain some of the questions I had. So I think the confusion that we all feel from some of the things, I think it's purposely bizarre and out there 
and things will get explained. Yep. I'm I'm all in on it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm fascinated sure. by it. I, I think I it's great. I haven't seen anything like this in a while, so yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think HBO is too because I think that it did find its Game of Thrones. Uh, I think they're safe with yeah. their subscriptions. Yeah. Before you close, I want to bring up two movies that this is going to kill you, man. Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 are on HBO right now. Uh-huh. And so I've watched both of them recently because it's been a while since I watched either one. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man does is not awesome. hold up. It's awesome. At all. It's awesome. I will say I, I recognize and I appreciate the style that Sam Raimi is going for. It's very comic booky. I mean, I, I certainly get that. It annoyed me to the end. Spider-Man 2 is okay. It's still good. I, I think that Doc Ock and the storyline is a lot better. But ultimately, those are not good movies, man. They are not good movies. Dude. I just, I'm sorry. Like 93% on Rotten Like 93%. Like the critics agree with me. No, I'm serious. Look Uh, it up. I think the first Spider-Man is like at 90 and Spider-Man 2 is like 93 or something. You know, stylized, then maybe I can, nope, can't get on board with that. Box office, audiences loved it. Critics loved it. You're literally the only person that doesn't. You know, 15 years later. We'll see. Let's go back and watch Dark. Ninja Turtles does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, but you're watching it with an anti Toby Maguire bias. Eighty-nine percent. Okay, the oh, first one dropping. Mm-hmm. Everyone's the first one. On. <laughs> no, the second one I think is like ninety-three or ninety-four. The second one's the better movie. I mean, there's no doubt. Actually, there's a scene where. But eighty-nine percent for a for a comic book movie, especially. I think this is what kicked off the whole comic book craze. X Men happened a year before it, uh, two years before it. But it didn't really do much. It's like, okay, whatever. But then Spider-Man happened, and that's... I know you said that before. I don't know it's if I true. necessarily it's agree true. with you. It's 93% for Spider-Man Boom. 2. Uh, I and will then. see the scene where they're trying to do the surgical, they're doing the surgical operation of getting Doc Ock's you know, things off yeah. of him. Dude, that was awesome. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was, they go nuts awesome. and like the whole murdering of the, yes. the, the doctor's surgeons. Yes. That was cool. I forgot right? all about that scene. Yes. Or the the train scene where he stops the train from going off the track. That's okay. Oh, that's all right. I like how the people reacted. Yes, like, that that part was awesome. Everyone who acts in that movie is C or B grade, except for except for Doc Ock. What's his name? Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina is the only good actor in that movie. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Me and the critics and worldwide audiences disagree with you. Who's the best actor in that movie? Oh, Alfred Molina. Okay, besides Alfred Molina. Oh, um, best actor. I mean, and I don't, I don't mean gender-wise. I mean... Right, just... Uh, oh, having a hard time coming up with it, huh? No, I mean... I mean, probably James Franco. Oh, my wire. God. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean... He's I mean, so like cardboard. Overall, well, I mean, you mean in that movie or overall... No, in the movie. Oh, in the movie. I thought you meant just, like, best overall yeah, actor. because none of them are good actors. Oh, What's her name's okay? Fair. What's her name's good? Kirsten Dunst. She has her moments. I'll say that. Yeah. But and Tobey Maguire has his moments when he's just playing a dork, and I know Peter Parker's a dork, but I think that you secretly have a bias against the Spider-Man movies as much as I do the Dark Knight movies. I mean, it's possible. It's. I mean, it's not <laughs> intentional. It's not a vindictive against you. I, I just don't think they're very good. That's how I feel about the Dark Knight movies. Okay. <laughs> I disagree. I just completely disagree. <laughs> we'll, we'll the have, first two Dark Knight movies are pretty good. Well, we the first the first Dark Knight movie is pretty good. The second one's, I mean, dude, one of the best performances of all time. Heath Ledger That's, is great, but Alfred, you just admitted you just anything. you just admitted Alfred Spider-Man. Molina was great yeah, he was and, and Spider Man Two. Was good. 
Okay, but you said that the rest of the movie you didn't like. Like, it wasn't that great. So you can't say that just because Heath Ledger was great, that makes the rest of the movie great. It elevates it to a whole other level. It elevates and, it. Uh, Afro Molina wasn't that good. <laughs> he was good, <laughs> but he wasn't that good. Heath Ledger was great. The rest of the movie was pretty crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that is Pulp Fliction. Great. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm done. Yeah. That, that is, you just listened to the final episode of Pulp Fliction. <laughs> Rachel and I will be starting a new podcast called <laughs> Fuck Jake and Chris. <laughs> 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 Be sure to tune in for that one. <laughs> coming to coming to an iTunes near you. Thank you for listening to Pulp Fiction. <laughs>